Hey guys, just a quick note about this episode. It was our first live recording in a while and we had a little bit of audio technical issues. So please forgive us if the quality is not quite up to par with our other episodes. We did our best to fix it up in post and we think it sounds okay. So please enjoy. Hey, how's it going folks? It's Abdullah. And Dean. And welcome back for another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. And guess what? It's our 710 special and we are in the same room at long last. We've been apart, have not seen each other in person since the pandemic began. And that ends now. Can't wait to get high with you, Bean. Holy smokes. <laughs> we have been two parallel lines smoking and uh, recording in parallel, and now we are finally intersecting. The CDC has just reinstigated Puff Puff Pass. Yes. Go get vaccinated. Don't at me. <laughs> it's too special of a day to deal with your unscientific bullshit. We are in the same room and about to celebrate one of the highest holidays on the week calendar. Yes, that is right. It is July 10th. It is 7:10. If you flip that upside down, it says oil and that makes it the international hash holiday. And for that hash holiday, we are here with a very special guest from Bong Appetit. We are here with Rye Pritchard, my longtime co-host and cannabis expert on the show. Rye, so glad to have you here. Man, it is so good. I, I can't I can't explain how nice it is to be like in the same room with you guys and sharing some cannabis. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And you probably remember that Rye was the custodian of the famous weed pantry on Bong Appetit. He was the guy who knew what all was in there, all the different strains, all the different concentrates, and he is just a wealth of knowledge on cannabis and specifically on cannabis concentrates, and that's what we're here to talk about today. So my partner, David Beanenstock, is not as well-versed in the newfangled ways of dabbery, as it were, uh, I, of course, got into cannabis media with a doc called Intro to BHO, and I've sort of been on that train for a long time, and I'm really a big fan of concentrates, and I've always wanted Bean to get on board as well because I know he'll love it. He's old school. He smokes flowers just like I do, but today we're going to change all that. We're going to give you a crash course in cannabis concentrates, and there is no one better to do that than my man, Rye Pritchard. So Rye, can you tell us a little bit about cannabis concentrates and your history with them and why you love them? So it's funny, like I, I was always a joint smoker my, my whole life and then I started doing cannabis reviews back in 2009, right, um, in, in the Denver market. So I, I would go around and buy weed and review it and all that and then slowly we started getting extracts and people are like, oh, we need you to review this too. And, you know, my first experience, I had a horrible experience. I coughed my ass off. I didn't know exactly what I was using. Like it was back in the old days where everything was red hot and terrible. Um, and so I, I, I was like, I'm never maybe going to do this again. And then a few months actually down the road, I met, met somebody who was kind of making much better product and had a much better idea how to consume it. And then I was like, oh shit, this is like a whole different thing. Just the, the level of potency and all of that is one thing, but what really drew me to it is the flavor. You know, flash forward a few years and I got involved with the very early days of live resin with my good friend, Bill Finger, who's the guy who kind of started the process. And 
and uh, and commercialized it. Yeah, and live uh, resin is cannabis concentrate that's drawn from live plants as opposed to cured plants, and there's a lot more terpenes that we're dealing with, right? Yeah, exactly. And and you know, people were doing fresh frozen extraction before that. That that was not the first time it had ever been done, right? But the problem is that is like scaling that and making it something that you can actually turn into a product. And so Bill kind of and, and a couple other key people like Giddy Giddy Up or Giddy Up, friend that. of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, really cracked the code on that over the last uh, what seven years now. I mean, it's completely changed the industry, all the awards, the way that people grow the way that people, you know, extract and, and think about products, the conversation about terpenes, all that stuff came pretty directly out of, out of live resin. Gotcha. And Bean, hearing all this, how are you feeling? What do you know about concentrates already? I'm sure quite a bit, more than the average person, but what are you hoping to learn today on this episode? One, I'm just hoping to make it to the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but number two, wait, what's interesting is so like, I worked at, at High Times going back to 2002, this is kind of a like ripped Van Winkle type situation <laughs> where I literally just slept on the concentrates because Rye, like you were saying, my first introduction to it, and this was, you know, I'm not talking shit, but like as a staff member of my times mm. was like, here's some dirty ass shit that makes you cough with a blowtorch made <laughs> by a person that I patently do not trust. <laughs> <laughs> They're never trustworthy. And so, you know, that and I will say, and I've come a long way on this, and I, and I look back at this as a kind of prejudice, but I really came into this whole thing from the legalization standpoint, always as a weed lover, always as somebody who had a very personal relationship with weed. But I, we were, parallel was the rise of dabs and that moment when we were getting so close to legalizing in Colorado. Mm. And I had a fear, thankfully unfounded, that that, the blowtorch, in essence. Of course. And of course, the fact that people making this in an unsafe way, which it doesn't have to be made in an unsafe way, mm -hmm. but people were doing it and hurting themselves. Yeah. Uh, I really feared that combination. I really had good experiences with, with concentrates. My first trips to Amsterdam, um, the more traditional stuff coming from places like Morocco or Nepal, uh, made with more traditional sieve methods or even water hash. And I just kind of, for that combination of reasons, uh, backed away from the whole thing. And then it got, and I, I think a lot of listeners will identify with this, it seems so complicated. Mm. It was like, to me, yeah. when video games went from Pac-Man to, let me teach you how to play this game for five hours so that yeah. we can play it, <laughs> same thing. I was like, but um, I'm here to, you know, come clean. I was clearly wrong about the legalization <laughs> uh, sure. aspect. I, I think it was a legitimate concern. But I think it was, it was. yeah. Um, and uh, the products that are widely available now are quite safely made, quite safe to consume. I see people enjoying them all around me. Mm -hmm. I uh, probably average about three dabs a year over the last three years. I think we're going <laughs> to exceed that clearly today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm up for it. Yeah. Yes, my friend. And before we get into it, for the total novices out there, just a little bit of a background on cannabis concentrates. Cannabis concentrates have existed for a long time. Traditional hash that comes from South Asia and the Middle East, 
That's cannabis concentrates. The difference between that and what's really popular now is mostly solvents. Now, we did an episode about how a bunch of surfers invented dabs. This was in the 70s, isn't that right, Bean? Yeah, this was the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. Uh, they were huge smugglers. They were LSD evangelists and uh, one of their chemists, and you can listen to this in depth on our episode, basically invented the modern dab. Right, and what that means is that they took a solvent, which was butane, it could be propane, CO2, ethanol, any number of things that are used to strip the cannabis resin from the plant and then you evaporate away that solvent and what you're left with is cannabis resin, cannabinoids and terpenes and hopefully nothing else. If your starting product was clean and your process was clean, you should be left with nothing else. And right, so to start us off, to allay the fears of anyone out there who might be thinking, oh, I don't wanna smoke something that has had a solvent in it. Can you tell us about the process and what makes BHO safe to dab? Yeah, so, so it's interesting. I mean, just like you said, it really depends on the level of the person doing the extracting, right? And their understanding. So, you know, I'll couch it all that. Like a properly made solvent concentrate it is a safe thing. And it's something that's done in pharmaceutical industries. It's something that's done, you know, aspirin is extracted with butane. Um, there, there's a variety of things. And the reason for that is because it's a very selective solvent. So as opposed to something like ethanol, which pulls literally every compound in the plant, including chlorophyll, including all these other things that you don't want to smoke necessarily. Um, butane, if done properly, especially at the right temperatures, which, which leads us into like the live resin conversation, you, you really are just getting the things that you want, which are the essential oils of the plant. And compared to something like CO2, which by the way is a solvent, they sell CO2 dabs as solventless all the time, but it's completely not the case. When you use something like CO2, um, you're stripping it, but you're doing it with pressure and you're doing it uh, in a different way. And so it, it separates different compounds. And so one is not necessarily better than the other, but for me, if I'm smoking something, I, I actually prefer butane extracted and properly purged concentrate because it gets the widest amount of terpenes. It gets um, you know everything that you want and leaves behind everything you don't basically. When, when we talk about solvent versus non-solvent, that, that's a big hot button debate, of course. You know, the traditional hash, method, hash methods are made uh, with solventless methods primarily. Mm -hmm. um, and then you also see like rosin and water hash and all that stuff, which is, you know, commanding real good prices still today. But that that is something that really takes a, a high level of skill. It takes really high level plant material and it's hard to like scale, right? So like as a company, it's hard to scale non-solvent extraction. Mm -hmm. Um, especially in, in a good way. So that's why people have kind of leaned on solvent as a way to, to, to make the process bigger and to make more product for more people. Mm. Um, but what gets lost in that rush towards like commercialization is that quality. Mm. And so that's where like the real cutting edge of solvent extractions are about preserving quality above everything else. And that's where like live resin came from. It's like, how can we lock in the way that this plant smells in the grow and then extract it without destroying it, right? Right. Because if we heated it, if we rosin pressed it, if we did all that stuff, stuff changes and it and it becomes modified. And so yeah. whether it's better or worse, it's not really relevant. It, it's different, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, to put a fine point on something that Rai said, now rosin, which is very, very popular right now, is live cannabis resin that's made through pressure, right? Like literally what you're going to do is take the keef from your cannabis, you're gonna take those uh, terpene glands, right? 
You're gonna lump them all together and press them in a machine. And right now there's a huge debate. A lot of people who get caught up in the competitiveness of cannabis, which is something that we only see in our capitalist driven cannabis world. They say that rosin is better or retains more flavor. It is certainly newer, but a lot of people talk a lot of shit out of their asses saying that rosin is categorically better than BHO. And we're here to dispel that myth. BHO is fantastic. It's a fantastic way to preserve flavor, to make concentrates. There are downright artists out there who make fantastic BHO, and we're gonna be dabbing some of it today. So if you're one of those people out there that says rosin is better than BHO, or one thing is better than the other, go read a book. You are <laughs> totally on the wrong side of this if you are taking any side at all. Weed, clean, beautiful, natural weed, is wonderful in every form. All right, so to get us started, Rye, what are we going to be dabbing first? All right, well, um, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things that you mentioned it being like, it, it's very overwhelming to be like, all right, how do I even consume this sometimes? Like back in the old days, we would, you know, be doing bong hits or pipe rips or whatever, and we'd put a little bit of water hash on top or put keef on top of the bowl. Oh yeah. Like, that's easy, a lot of people know that. I know. Yeah, hot, hot ah, yes. yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> you talk about Amsterdam. My my actual earliest hash experience was with my dad in Amsterdam when I was nineteen, um, doing hot knives in the hotel room, right? Of of like Lebanese and you know and Moroccan hash and and really you know really getting into it. So that you know that's that's kind of the the real sort of prehistoric you know version of the dab is like the hot knife, right? Mm. Um, but you know people have been making oil with ethanol with all these things all the way like you said from from boel days. Um, and, and so now it's, it's just getting cleaner and cleaner and better and better. And also people are understanding how to grow for this purpose. Mm. So instead of growing for the flower to be a nice little dense triangle and super frosty and flower, finish flowering in eight weeks, they're actually breeding and growing and feeding and giving different spectrum of lighting in order to encourage the growth of trichomes and the essential oils inside of them. And so you're really able to like dial in what you want if you control the entire process. And that's with anything, that's with solvent, that's with rosin, whatever. Um, it all starts with the plant and that, that's the most important thing. So, um, yeah, so you know, I, I really, really love OG, right? And one of the things that, that kind of changed my perception of what concentrates are is having you know, a really great experience with OG flour and being like, oh man, that smell, like I love it so much. But then opening you know, an, an OG live resin jar is just a totally different thing. And so like, I'll, I'll, I'll pass this one over. This is a, a Kush Mountains from CBX, but it's, you know, just a, a really, really beautiful, like rich, you know, it's got some SFV in there. It's like sort of a, a mystery with what's exactly in that one, but. Okay. I, got a, I yeah. got a few program notes. <laughs> one, I never had any problem with the smell. <laughs> of, of because that is to me like the purest essence of the plant and mm. I, I liken it to only being in a field at harvest time and, and, and working with the plants closely to have that same purity of, of the essence. Uh, mm. And then uh, note two, uh, we are creeping up on a great moment in weed history because this is my first sesh with y'all in yes. a year and a half. So, you know, if you're listening at home and you're not quite rolled up which is good, but more appropriately, hopefully you got some good concentrates of your own. Yes. You're ready to join us. If you're not, hit pause now because we're headed for another 
great moment in weed history. So we are back. It is our first live session in over a year. I'm here with two of my favorite potheads, guys that I've worked with extensively in exploring this beautiful planet. We're about to get high together. And David Bienenstock is about to take a dab. Now, this is not your very, very first dab, of course, right, Bean? No, I like I said, I spread them out about four or five a year. I had a rule for a long time that I said, if I'm going to take a dab, I'm going to be in my pajamas. Right, but this is your first informed dab, I would like to think. I, this is my first This is my first education in dabbery, and I, I think I'm in not just good hands, but possibly the best hands you, I could be in. I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, honestly, like this sharing concentrates and the flavor that comes with them and the aroma and all that is like one of the things that lights my fire inside, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I've I've given people their first dab hundreds and hundreds of times and every time it's been a good experience for them, right? Like I've I've not lit anybody up and sent them coughing to the floor mm-hmm. any of that stuff because it's the whole thing with this is pe- what people don't understand is that it's a function of temperature, right? So you hear you may hear the phrase low temp dabs, low temp only, like that that's a real thing because as you get to the higher temperatures, you get higher and higher and higher. Um, but generally where you want to be is like 400 to 500 degrees and what you're getting there is a really nice balance of flavor and a, and a moderate effect. So I was, I, I was, my first step was a literal glowy. The glowy. Oh, yeah. And I was assured by this person who I patently did not trust that this was not only a good way to do it, but the only correct I know. Way. And, and this is a <laughs> mantra among a lot of people at the beginning of the dab trend, right? And so a glowy is where you take a blowtorch and you blast the quartz nail on your dab rig until it is literally glowing red, hence the name glowy, and then you drop your concentrated and take the hit. We're talking probably 11, 1200 degrees, right, uh, Fahrenheit. And that is very, very hot. Now, Rye is saying four to 500 degrees. That's a much chiller temperature and it's going to leave a lot of the terpenes intact. You take a glowy, yes, you're going to hit yourself with hot cannabinoids, but all the terpenes are pretty much going to be uh, dissipated by the time you take it into your lungs. You're only going to be able to taste the hash. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the air coming in is also going to be hot, even if you cool it, right? But like that, that hot, hot smoke... Um, or hot, I mean, it is smoke in that case. It's not even vapor. That's the other thing. You, you've mm-hmm. transitioned well beyond the vapor point to like, yeah, this is smoking. And so when you get that into your lungs, that's why people sometimes cough really bad. Mm-hmm. That's why they get a head rush. That's why all this sort of stuff happens. And and so really, like the biggest thing I can emphasize is you know starting with a super low temperature, and you you not only won't get that crazy effect that you get at the high temperatures, but you get really 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 good flavor. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, I've got here my Puffco Peak, which is something of an industry standard when it comes to consuming concentrates. And uh, I'll throw a little bit of that concentrate in here as well as Bean takes his first hit. Thank you so much. And let's get high. Yep. Happy 710, guys. Happy 710. So first reactions, Bean, after hitting some OG live resin. It definitely has the taste. Uh, that I was talking about the smell of, where it is just very essential to the plant. OG, 
I mean, I guess I'm creeping up on OG uh, age, <laughs> certainly in weed years, <laughs> yeah. maybe in chronological years. Oh, but that OG, anybody who's been smoking weed a long time uh, with the right people, I, I think has a lot of love for that for that plant. And so this is to me the distillation, uh, yeah, of of its essence, and that's a beautiful thing to take into your body. Yeah, and taking a hit of the same stuff myself here. I mean, this is just a beautiful capture. And I know that whatever Rye has in his bag is going to be of this quality. Where on the inhale, you, you taste it go down nice and smooth. Of course, it's at the right temperature. And it's a really clean concentrate. And then you taste so much on the exhale, right? Especially when it comes to gassy terps as opposed to fruity terps, which I feel you taste up front. In this case, I feel like you taste it more in the back. Right, Rye? What do you think? Yeah, no, it, that's that's one of my favorite things. Like um, Bill and I would always talk about, like when we would be trying batches of live resin that we just got out of the grow and stuff. You know, there's like there's that initial, which I think is mostly the smell, right? Like mm. your first flavor is usually like what you're just smelling, you know, because that's how taste works. Yeah. And then and then as it kind of changes, and then as you inhale it, you sometimes get three totally distinct flavors. But yeah, like with with something like an OG, um, the aftertaste that you get is like one of my absolute favorite things. My ritual in the morning is to make a coffee, usually like an Ethiopian, you know, Ooh, yeah. you know pour over, and then, uh, you know, as I have the coffee flavor in my mouth, taking an OG dab, and then alternating. And it, oh, like, yes. it enhances the coffee, the coffee enhances the OG. Um, when you have something on your palate that's either sweet or kind of like bitter, then these things all taste different after and before. Mm. Right? So that that's the real magic. And we, we touched, you know, we dug into that with like Bong Appetit a little bit. Mm. Um, but that's that's the real thing with concentrates is that it's every bit as interesting as wine or beer or anything like that when it comes to like pairing with food. Um, I would say more so than like a flower because the smoking is inherently bad for meals, right? Like you, you, people usually don't want to be sitting in smoke while they're eating. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this, this kind of adds to the experience. And I think the taste is just so much uh, more pure and so much more in the realm of how you enjoy food. I think we've come to enjoy smoke mm -hmm. because we love that particular smoke. But if you really, trying to excite your taste buds, that, that hit really did it for me. And I think one, one thing, you know, people maybe hanging in there a little bit, trying to follow along. I feel like this episode is gonna be for two kinds of people at the same time who are represented right here in the room. Mm. Maybe you are gonna be the concentrate guy or lady or non-binary person of your friend group, and you need to be really well-educated, and you need to, as Rye said, make sure people's first experience or fifth experience is a good one. I lost, I don't know, 10 concentrate years. <laughs> and then if you are the, like me, the neophyte or the not as initiated person or the person to whom this seems a little overwhelming, just hang in, get the vibe of the culture, see if you like the culture around it. And as you said, it's like, you can enjoy wine without knowing every single thing about it, but there's an endless fascinating amount to learn and to know and to experience so you won't run out of things to get hyped about as, I mean, as we could talk about yeah. hype uh, as an aspect of this culture as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone out there who's wondering, right, this is something I, I wanted to touch on as well. 
Let's talk for a second about the evolution of the consumption devices here, right? We mentioned the hot knife, right? And what most people are familiar with is the dab rig and all of the iterations of the dab rig leading up to the electronic dab rig. Now, some of you might remember the titanium nail, right? So this is an element that you use a blowtorch to heat up. It holds heat very well but it doesn't preserve the flavor as well. A lot of people who have taken glowies uh, have taken them off of a titanium nail. Some of them used to have a dome on them. There used to be this, this thing called the swing arm, which had a little titanium blade. That was blade. the first thing I had a proper dab off of was a, was a skillet. Yeah. yeah, the skillet, exactly. And you don't really see these as much anymore because the titanium nail went out and the quartz nail came in. So, right, can you tell us why we use the quartz nail now instead of the titanium nail? Yeah, so, um, you know, titanium as as a metal, as, as metal goes, is very heat resistant. It doesn't off-gas a, a lot of volatiles when you heat it. But if you're heating with, like, like we, we used to see people with those big, like, map gas torches, right? Like, mm. the big ones that you get that you, like, weld with, kind of, or, yeah. like, plumbing with. That's not where you're supposed to heat your rig with, no matter what it is, because mm. that's way too hot so it's you know propane super hot um so if you if you heated it up properly then titanium was was okay mm. but um people were overheating it people were chazzing their bangers and doing yeah <laughs> you, you thought that term was funny when you first heard it um but you know people would ruin their nails and then you would have this situation where you, you might be consuming titanium oxide and some of these other things that are bad right so you know quartz and especially like you know grade two medical quartz grade two quartz it's not medical but um grade two quartz is a specific like level of purity that doesn't really off gas anything so you can heat it as much or as little as you want and it's never really going to put anything out so that's why the industry's kind of transitioned to that and i think also if you look at some of the really nice like art glass pieces and all of that like it would look sort of weird with just like a piece of metal hanging on the end of it right so aesthetically i think the quartz is a lot more pleasing too and you see people making these crazy like faceted bangers and all these different things that that are like an art piece of their own sometimes people will pay a thousand dollars just for the banger you know it's crazy oh yeah definitely i, I remember seeing the emerald banger and thinking I want to spend my life savings on that. <laughs> I bought the rights to the book, uh, the underlying property, to try to develop the Emerald Banger into a series <laughs> of fantasy movies, but it didn't happen. Uh, no, I think the other thing, that the one aspect of this culture that right away I was attracted to, I did think was fantastic, uh, and still do, is the way that modern concentrate culture uh, in many ways revived the art glass culture that we saw start in the 70s with glass blowers yeah. uh, making pipes. And then we saw a lot of that get undercut by, you know, cheaper imported, in some cases, you know, poorly made uh, glassware from overseas really undercut that market. And the concentrates brought it back where a lot of artists not only are able to make a living, but to really get uh, quite a premium for their artwork, to have art shows that are a really important part of where the concentrate culture comes together. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the banger itself and that design was created by a person in America, right? Like that, you know, we all these people are still alive and we can trace all these things and 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 have that conversation about how these things evolved because it, it really is a, a unique story and it's kind of one of those things that, um, you know, American as Jazz is the name of one of the, the crazy art pieces that we had at the house at, at mm. one point. Right? Um, but it's, I mean, that, that's really what it is. I mean, glass blowing is something that, you know, developed and, and 
and concentrates kind of co-developed with it. Some of the earliest dabs we ever had were from the glass blowing community, right? They were the the person who taught Bill how to make wax was a glass blower. Ah. You know? So I mean that that's that's a real real connection, and it's sort of you know the snake ate its own tail ultimately, and now it's um, you know it's a really co-connected community, which is cool. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely incredible to see the evolution of art glass through that time because. There was a time when you couldn't sell a piece of glass for more than $100. And so a glass blower wouldn't spend more than a couple hours making that thing because it just wouldn't be worth the time. But then as the money started coming into the game, right, people wanted to invest more in glass. In fact, in some cases, glass became a really good way to hold your money. You know, we're talking about a cash business without banking. So if this community agreed that this glass was valuable, then it could hold value and you could put 10, 20, 50, $100,000 into a piece of glass and that value would hold. You could trade it in because a bunch of people agreed, this is what this is worth. And that's absolutely beautiful. It's what gave us our weed economy, right? It didn't take part in the traditional economy, but it existed and all these people participated. And unlike crypto, you can smoke out of it. Yeah, exactly, and people do. This is the thing too, you know, if you have a piece of glass that's holding value, you hit that thing. I remember interviewing a bunch of collectors in Philadelphia. I was with some pretty legendary artists, Marble Slinger, Jop, uh, Snick Barnes, and I talked to a bunch of collectors, and the collectors were like, how many people who own a Picasso kiss their Picasso every day? <laughs> <laughs> they don't, but I have it's a Snick Barnes and I kiss it every day, right? Like they actually were putting their lips to this thing. People come over, you say, take a hit out of my beautiful, very valuable pipe, you know? Uh, so it's this level of interaction you have with the art that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, so with that, let's take another dab. You like haze, right? You like sativa weeds? Oh yeah. Right. Oh, let's do a haze, let's do a haze. Okay, cool. Yeah, and you know, the important thing is that we don't rank these things against each other, right? I take dabs, I smoke flowers, I take edibles, and I use topicals almost every single day, right? Because I like all these different consumption methods. If I'm sitting there watching a movie, I wanna take dabs, right? If I'm floating in the pool, I wanna smoke joints. There is a cannabis consumption method for any occasion, and the beauty is bringing them all together. Alrighty, hit that shit, Bean. And Rye, I'll scoop a little bit of that too to get a taste. Oh yeah, <laughs> easy. Oh yeah. Yeah, give us your first reactions. Oh, it's just like... Do you have any more of that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. It's like my old friend Weed came over with a new cool jacket on him. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's fly. <laughs> it's just concentration. I think, you know, concentrating Anything good makes it better. Concentrating something bad is the source of almost all of our problems on this planet. <laughs> uh, but if you could take one of the best life forces and beautiful things and, uh, oh yeah, I'm, uh, and, and, and concentrate it, that's, that's just a wonderful, uh, ooh, I'm getting high. Yeah, and so, yeah, there we go. yeah and, and let's talk about that for a second. Now, the high. Now, the way that I've heard a lot of people describe it, and I can verify this personally based on my first dab, it feels like you're smoking weed for the very first time all over again. That's how stoned you get, right? So, Bean, can you take us through that experience for you? 
This is more like, <laughs> yeah, it has that silly feeling. The socialness yeah. of weed, I feel it right in my heart, like right yeah, now, yeah, like yeah. that first. Guys, he's feeling it in his heart. Either he's having a good time or we need to call an ambulance. <laughs> I'm in decent shape. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm about to take a hit off of this haze as well. Let's see how it does me. Ooh, yeah. Oh my God. You know, even when I was smoking haze flowers, right? I was not able to taste that aroma so much, like just in my entire body. You know, that's the thing I love about this method. And when you blow it out, it smells so fucking good. Oh yeah. Like the, it, it fragrances the room, right? Like if, if everybody dabs the same thing, it's like, oh, the room smells like haze and lemons right now. It's, yeah, that's cool. in fact, you know, my girlfriend uses cannabis not as frequently as I do. And since we moved in together, she's like, can you just take dabs instead of smoking that <laughs> joint? Because like the joint smokes up the entire place, right? Something that I never even noticed, you know, just by myself because I smoke so much weed. But, you know, you take dabs. It actually is pleasant for the other people in the room who are not sitting there getting high with you, you know, because this shit smells so good. Yeah, it's, it, you know, I mean, it really like getting to the core of it, it's just essential oil extraction. And so it's just like putting some, you know, some mandarin oil in a diffuser or something. I mean, it kind of gives you that same effect. And I think for me, that's such a big part of the consumption experience is like cracking the jar open, smelling it, getting that taste, pairing it with other things like that to me is more important than like the level of high that I get off of it. Because I'm always just kind of cruising at a certain level because I dab all day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's really just about like going through the flavor. Yes, absolutely. I think these are all very valid points. This is about flavor. You know, when we talk about all the different strains that are out there, all the efforts placed to differentiate them to make really fantastic strains. I mean, we're talking about the best way to consume those. The best way to experience those is through dabs, right? Like... Yes, flowers are wonderful. Fra flowers carry a lot of terpenes. But when you cure flowers and prepare them for smoking, they lose a lot of those terpenes, right? Some terpenes don't come through the combustion process as well as other ones. Some are more delicate. And in order to taste the whole spectrum of those terpenes, you got to take some dabs. And so if you're out there and you've been thinking like, oh my God, dabs are so terrifying. You know, there's a blowtorch involved. Don't worry. There's items like the Puffco Peak, which you can use to consume cannabis concentrates, you don't need the torch, you don't need to put yourself in harm's way. And honestly, to demystify the torch just a little bit, I've used the torch for a long time. I've got one at home. Rye has used the torch. He's a real surgeon with that thing. And the torch is safe. You know, a lot of people are scared. They say, this looks like crack. There are no blow torches involved in the consumption of crack. Blow torches are kind of expensive. I don't know if you've seen the clientele for crack out there, but that's not what they're using. And this is not about freebasing or something like that. It is just a method to get the nail to the right temperature. That is all. So if you do see the torch, don't be scared off by it. It has nothing to do with your actual hitting it experience, right? It's just used to prepare the nail, get it to a certain, uh, certain temperature. All right, so let's move on to another strain and we're gonna dip into my Emerald Cup judging kit over here, which has all kinds of different textures and different consistencies of BHO and we're gonna talk about texture. So oh, this is, the, this is the conversation I'm ready for. I think this is one of the points 
where a lot of people feel lost and confused uh, because there's a range of different butters, I'm sort of throwing these, you know, butters, waxes, oils, uh, crumbles, uh, all, all these terms that, you know, definitely de need some demystifying. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's that's one of my other favorite things. So uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about what textures are. There's some regionality to it, too, where like certain certain areas will just always call a texture something. Um, but, you know, really, this stuff is so new that a lot of it people just don't fully understand. They don't fully understand the process. They don't understand why something is called what it is. Um, you know, like going, going back to the early days, it was like wax or shatter, right? That was kind of the thing. And then, you know, wax as an umbrella under that, you have like crumble and you have like honeycomb and then you have like butter. And what you're talking about with the wax is a product that is opaque, right? That usually to finish that product, you like whip it and you, you mix it together so that you have the cannabinoids and the terpenes fully mixed together. It creates an opaque texture and that's kind of like wax, butter, all of that. Um, what you have with a lot of these modern concentrates is a separation process. So instead of, uh, you know, a, a merged together opaque matrix of things, you have these things that are sitting in solution separately. So you have THCA crystals and you have terpenes. And so that is where you get sauce. That's where you get sugar. That's mm. where you get diamonds. So diamonds are just bigger THCA crystals, right? Um, than, than a sauce or sugar. So um, that, that's, that's basically the long and short of it, but it's, it's a process difference that causes those two big families. And then within that, there's a lot of nuance where like certain strains that have a whole lot of terpenes, they will only ever make tiny crystals because the terpenes actually eat away the crystals, right? They work as a solvent. So that's why some, like we had the lemon G in Colorado and that, that was one that always would make this super like soupy concentrate. And it's because the type of terpene that was in there, it, that's the only way it would really come out. Um, and, and so you, you'll see as, as higher, as terpene content goes up, um, you know, the, the texture gets looser and the crystals usually get smaller. Right. Gotcha. So when you see a sauce, like that liquidy part, right, that's what terpenes look like. They're delicate and light and liquidy. And so... We do have some diamonds in here and we do have some sauce, but first off, we're gonna hit some of this batter. Now, as Rye was saying, batter is like batter. It looks like batter, but it's spelled with D's instead of T's, right? And what we have here is from Lemonade. This was something that I really loved out of the kit. All right, so this is a strain called Tangeray, and what we've got here is a batter. And the thing I like about this is that it is the color of dark preserved lemon and it smells like preserved lemon. You've got the sweetness and the sour smell of the lemon and then you've even got a little bit of rind in there, which I think is just beautiful. And that's something that I really like about citrus concentrates. Now here's the thing about sativa, heavy sativa leaning concentrates. They hit you in the fucking head very, very quick. If it's done right and you hit it right, you will feel that uplifting sativa high almost immediately. Now, you know what I primarily use this concentrate for and others like it is for migraines. I get migraines and as a migraine remedy, I drink a cup of coffee, I take two Advil and I dab some very, very citrusy, fruity concentrate, sativa concentrate and a tiny bit of Tweedle Farms CBD shatter, right? I just mix that in there, it balances it out and it 
knocks out my migraines. It really works. Try it out if you're at home. Uh, let's get high on some of this stuff. And right, can you tell us what you think of this concentrate? What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, uh, it smells really good. Like, it reminds me a lot of um, a little bit of the lemon G that, that we had in Colorado, actually, which I wonder if, if part of that is in there. But, um, you know, these citrus things kind of like lit the world on fire when they first came around. Like when Tangi first came out, everybody was like, what the hell is that? Because it, mm -hmm. it's so just dead on. You're like, whoa, it's like scratching the outside of a cutie. You know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it really kind of like changed how people thought of what cannabis can even smell like. Because even as like... Uh, you know, a, a person like myself who was going around town reviewing cannabis, I was usually encountering, you know, OGs and, you know, hash plants and like all of that stuff. And I just had never had anything that was this just screaming on point lemon, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it, it's really interesting. And, and th these also are the types of plants that people are growing more for concentrate now because it smells exactly like a food or tastes exactly like, uh, you know, this. And, and so these plants are becoming more and more popular as opposed to some of the maybe like, you know, OG is kind of a nuanced flavor really when it comes mm. down to it. It's yeah. like, what is it gassy? Is it lemony? Is it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think when we talk about the terpenes and the smells and those terpenes are essentially the essential oils of the plant, uh, the same terpene that might make a cannabis strain or a cannabis concentrate smell like lemons is the same terpene that is found in a lemon. You know, if you, as a history show, if you went back a thousand years and found cannabis, uh, it would probably taste like plants. <laughs> it is the yeah. breeding work of humans that has developed these varieties and brought out desirable traits. Desirable trait could be it harvests quickly. Uh, it could be it uh, is mold resistant. And then the, some of the finer ones are bringing out these smells, these essential oils, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the terpier a plant, that means it was grown to its top uh, potential. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, there, there are certain genetics that have more or less terpenes kind of inherently, and what I always think about it as like, if you look at the test result for, for a plant, like we, you know, I, I do a lot of like phenotype selection where we're growing out, you know, hundreds and hundreds of plants and we're trying to pick the best ones, right? And so when we're doing that, what you'll see, even within like the same strain, like three different seeds from the same strain, you'll see one that's 31% THC and lower terpenes. You'll see one that's 22% THC with a lot of terpenes, and then you'll see one that's kind of in the middle. And so I always think of it as like a seesaw, right? As, as THCA goes up, terpenes usually go down and vice versa. So something like this, this lemon strain and, and something like lemon G, it wouldn't usually test that high, but then, and it was kind of like a larfy looking plant or whatever, but then when you run it into extract, it yielded and it tasted amazing. So that, that's where some of this nuance comes in of like, you know, there's genetic difference and then also the way you grow it. If you feed it certain inputs, if you, like right now, LED lighting is killing the game in terms of hash growing because you can control the spectrum that you're feeding them and you're also controlling the heat. So you're, you're controlling the light spectrum to kind of preserve the trichomes in a way that the normal traditional like blast you orange grow light doesn't do. And you know, one of the things that people were finding is that like the tops of the plants were yielding less oil than the mids and bottoms of the plants. Hmm. That's because it's literally being cooked off in the grow room. Oh. And so now people are turning to like LEDs and turning to different growing methods and mixed light and all these things to try to 
maximize the actual essential oil production. Because when you think about it, the oil fits in the trichome head, right? The little crystals that are all over the plant. There's only so much room for those to grow and there's only so much oil that can fit in those. Mm -hmm. So at some point you're gonna max out. It's either gonna be 35% THC and no terpenes or it's gonna be somewhere in between, right? And so that, that's really the battle is finding those plants that express the best of both worlds that have enough terpenes to be really flavorful, but also have the potency that, you know, that a lot of people want to see. And, and this idea of cultivating cannabis in a specific way to make the best concentrates is also a part of these old concentrate cultures. A literal or classic strain is called hash plant. Mm. Uh, I don't, I doubt that's what it was originally called, but the idea was these indicas, the bushier uh, buds, uh, all were selected by growers in places like Morocco not to smoke the buds, but to most efficiently and uh, wonderfully make hashish. Mm, yeah, that's very interesting, actually. I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, the original purpose for this was transport. You know, cannabis was traded on the Silk Road, and instead of carrying around a bunch of flowers that are going to be hard to store, hard to carry, take up lots of room, and they're gonna degrade quickly, instead, you can make a bunch of cannabis concentrate, and you can pack it up. You know, like, the amount of concentrate that would fit in your two hands would account for, like, an entire bale of cannabis, right? So it just became easier to transport, and that's why hash culture was born. And then it became an art because, you know, it's fucking weed. It inspires people, you know? Wow. So I think, I think it's fucking tasty though, man. Dude, this is absolutely delicious. And you know, here you go, Bean. And just reset me with what we're... Yeah, so, so, so this is, what we're, what we're hitting right now is some lemonade brand Tangeray concentrate. And wow, I mean, on the exhale, it is just like lemons, you know, so... I'm living in Palm Springs these days. We have a lemon tree and a Meyer lemon tree, and you just really taste that mm, absolutely fresh, very, very strong, very refined citrus taste there. Bean, I'm seeing a look on your face. When you exhaled that, you closed your eyes and you were like, mm, I'm in flavor heaven. Tell us what you're feeling. I don't care who I'm with. If I'm eating something that's really good, I will close my eyes oh, yeah. for oh. a few seconds. and. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, yeah. Mindful and, eating. And I just completely had that experience. It's the first one I went back for a double dip on. Um, the lemon is very pronounced. That's a big flavor. That's a flavor I love to cook with. The high, it kind of like, it, it has a, you know, that, that old term, creeper weed. I'll hit it again, actually. You know, <laughs> I feel that. And I think that's the difference with the glowy situation there. was not creeper it was reverse creeper. You know, it needed to hit you too fast and too hard in a way. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna have to dump out some more of this one here so we can do another round because this one was really special. All right. But I do find like a lot more subtlety to the high than stabs that I remember. I mean, that's another thing for me too. I think as, as Abdul was saying, like they're not competing with each other and 
it's more about what's the right experience for the right time. And to me, this feels very like uh, special occasion-y. I wouldn't mm. want to be going through my email, replying to things. <laughs> like, uh, to me, it would be a waste of feeling this good, being this high, being this interested in everything that's going on. Will I smoke some weed to help me deal with the existential horror that is going through your email every day? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, but this feels more ethereal and kind of creative, and uh, I think that definitely getting that sativa buzz. Yeah, exactly. And you know, something I find as well is that fruity terps tend to burn your throat a little bit more, no matter which way you're consuming them. They're a little bit more, <clears throat> you know, like hit you right there, right? And I don't know what it is about that, but I find that when you dab these sort of lighter, fruitier terpenes, they don't hit your palate as hard, right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think a lot of that is these these types of, uh, like, the real fruity, the real kind of, like, hazy things, they're, they're a little more uh, volatile, the terpenes, so you're actually getting, like, a heavier dose of those on that initial inhale than something else. Right. Um, so, like, you know, like you said, an OG is more of an aftertaste thing. Uh, in most cases, whereas the citrus is like, you know, it like flies like up into your nose immediately and you can kind of yeah. taste it in your whole face. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's a little bit different. And, and some of that is the compounds inside of it for sure. Um, and, and then also just, you know, the, the way and the device and the method you use to, to consume it. Um, you know, cause uh, like I find that the citrus does well with, um, higher temperatures like if you if, if you're if you're the other side of the coin trying to get super high off your dab, uh, yeah, take it at a little bit higher temperature and maybe try something citrus because you'll still have that flavor pull through. Yeah, um, and I think that was one of the other reasons why those concentrates were so well, well received early is because people didn't know how to control their temperature, but they were right. like, whoa, this tangy tastes like oranges because the tangy still tastes like oranges even at 800 degrees. Yeah, so. and so I'm looking for some diamonds to do our next hit. What do we have here? Yeah, how does that gild yeah, one? Gild is done yeah, okay, fantastic. It's like train wreck. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Ooh, blueberry train wreck. Oh, yeah, so so diamonds are interesting. Like I'm, if if I were to pick a texture, I would be a butter guy all day, every day. Um, I also like the kind of like applesauce sauce, like the one that we just dabbed. Mm -hmm. That's like that's a sauce, but it's kind of. Uh, you know, um, very small crystal. And the reason I like those is because they're homogenous, right? Because you're getting the same amount of terpenes and cannabinoids in pretty much every dab. With like a diamond, it's fun because you can kind of customize it a little bit. You can take a big giant THC rock or you can take a whole lot of sauce and a little THC rock. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and so you can kind of dial in what experience you want. Um, you know, but for me, I like getting the same thing every time. So yeah. I, I prefer the butter, but you know, Diamonds are cool and they're really pretty to look at. I mean, yeah. watching them grow, like as a photographer and stuff, it's ridiculous. Like some oh, of my yeah. favorite pictures are like inside of diamond jars. Diamond sauce or sauce or sugar are all different forms of the THC crystals in a sort of terp sauce. So what we're looking at here is the Guild Extracts Blueberry Trainwreck Sauce. And this is another one from my Emerald Cup kit. And this is just a really nice pull I love a sort of blueberry or like darker fruit concentrate. I'm not sure if this is classified as indica or sativa, but I always get a more sort of low end high from blueberry flavors, right? Uh, and from, from cherry flavors, even though they're sort of fruity, they're more like whiny. They remind me a little bit more of purple weed or something like that. And what I'm looking at here are, you know, a few modest diamonds 
in a really, really nice, very clear amber turp sauce. And so we're gonna try some of this out right now. Oh yeah, so Bean, uh, take a whiff of that and let us know what you think. Ooh, yeah, I definitely get the blueberry and mm -hmm. it's, it's got a calming kind of vibe to it. I think uh, a good rule of thumb for people where this could seem kind of overwhelming or also the retail experience, whether at a dispensary or with your homie who slangs oil, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. is you can trust your nose. Your nose knows. It is a very uh, complicated instrument designed to regulate what you put in your body. Mm -hmm. And if something smells really good to you outside any other knowledge, go with that. I think, yep. I, I got Ryan along. Yeah, that I is cosine. Yeah, buy a true expert. If anything expert. smells like something you don't want to put into your human body, probably not a good idea, right? Yeah, no. It's I, I think you know just just like with anything, people have tastes, people perceive things different. That that's one of the big things that you know in cannabis, everybody wants to be like, oh, this is always uplifting for everybody, and it's like, no, it's. It, completely not true like there you you know like in pharmaceuticals they talk about the rule of thirds where one third of the people will get exactly the effect as intended one third of the people will get no effect or minimal effect and one third will get like almost the complete opposite right? <laughs> and, and so like to some extent we're trying to hold ourselves up to a higher standard than pharmaceuticals when right. pharmaceuticals are like uh, well, here's your fucking Latuda, but here's your 9,000 like warnings about all the side effects. Mm. That's because you're part of the two thirds who are not really getting the intended effects from that medication. Right. Right. And so, so there's a lot, we like, we hold ourselves up as an industry to a really, really high standard of like, well, but I can't mislead a patient. If I tell them that the train wreck's going to lift them up and, and make them feel good. And then they get tired and go to sleep. They're going to be mad at me. And like all, all this <laughs> stuff is, you know, it's just different. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's tastes are different. Some people taste cilantro and they're like, Oh, this is great. And other people are like, Pleh. it's like soap. And it's the exact same thing. Some people hate citrus strains. Mm -hmm. I've met these hate people. Haze. I, I, I can't relate to those people. But me neither <laughs> yeah seriously no and hate yeah see, I'm no hate, like, yeah you, you might hate. disprefer yeah. or even dislike a, 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 a strain of cannabis but no hate yeah true and so you know and i also think that it's worth mentioning that if you're looking for a strain that's going to work for you dabbing is a great way to do it i mean i really learned about my love for a lot of strains of flowers that i smoke through experiencing them through concentrates for the first time, right? Because you get a lot of that flavor, you feel that high instantly. It becomes really easy to differentiate. Now, I've judged a couple of cannabis competitions uh, in the flower category, right? And it is kind of hard to judge. The question everyone has is, oh, well, how do you separate one thing from the other? And like, well, there's many categories. There's the flavor, the appearance, the, the, the burn, all, all that stuff, right? But it's true that doing this, judging these 50 or so concentrates that are in this box right here, I was really able to experience each one on its own in a much cleaner way. You know, it came through. Another thing that we, uh, another thing that happens with flowers is that your delivery device, unless you're smoking joints, if you're using a pipe or a bong, it's gonna have some resin on it. You're not gonna get that clean, clean flavor, right? Again, I'm all about smoking flowers but this is a good way to sample strains. So this is interesting. So I taste this and I feel like they introduced some terpenes to this. Interesting. Okay, so I really trust Rye's palate here and 
you know, uh, this is actually a good opportunity to talk about reintroduced terpenes. Now, all the concentrates we're talking about, concentrates we like are just weed. This is an important thing, right? No additives, just cannabis concentrate pulled from the cannabis plant and nothing else. But people are starting to do this thing or have been doing this thing for a little while where you mix foreign agents into it. Right. Tell us about that. Yeah, so in, in the on the production side, you, you have like cannabis derived terps and then you have what are being known as as botanical terps. And so those and, and there's also completely lab derived terps, which are just like chemicals in a bottle. Right. Um, but botanical, if you hear the phrase botanical terpenes, what that means is that it's extracted from other plants. And so there's nothing inherently wrong with that, right? I mean, it's the same compound, like you said earlier, being the, the, the reason that it smells like lemons is the same reason that lemon smells like a lemon. The problem is that people jump to the conclusion and think that they can reconstruct cannabis with these other inputs. Mm. And they can't. It's way too complex. A, a, a raw extract like, like we were consuming has hundreds of compounds in it, most of which aren't even tested for, some of which are flavonoids, phenols, esters, all these other flavored compounds that mm. no lab is testing for, right? So when some company decides I'm going to make a granddaddy purple terpene, um, what they do is they look at the lab results and they reconstruct a terpene profile and then they sell it as that thing. And it's just not. Right? Mm. So a lot of the vape pens on the market, for right. example, are, are a distillate base, which there's nothing wrong with distillate. It, it, if it's made cleanly, it's a, it's a high THC potent, like sort of pharmaceutical Thing, yeah, right? and it's just THC, just THC distilled. Yeah, distilled. Yeah, so it's cooked off so that and purified, so that's just THC. Um, but then you mix that with something to make it taste good, right? And so that's where the decision comes in. Do I reintroduce terpenes that maybe I extracted from cannabis? Which are more expensive. Which are a lot more expensive. Um, one thing which I actually brought to show are terpenes that are extracted from hemp plants that have had the THC bred out of them. So oh. that they smell still almost exactly like the original strains, but they now have no THC and can be used as flavor additives and all these other things in a wider industry sense. Wow. So and yeah. and you can grow those plants, extract those terps anywhere because it's from a hemp plant. And then you can use cannabis derived terps with distillate. So, wow, that would be fantastic because I think a lot of people have noticed, look, a lot of people who are not experienced with dabs, our experience with cannabis concentrates through vape pens, right? And there's been all kinds of hubbub about vape pens. Yes, there are additives in nicotine vapes. Yes, there are additives in cannabis concentrate vapes. Now, the important thing to remember is everybody here and everybody out there within your means just consume 100% cannabis-derived concentrates. That's all we've got here on the show that is all that I ever fuck with, right? Unless I'm under duress and in some place where all I have is like a purpley vape pen, right? But the important thing to remember is try to stay away from those reintegrated terps. You just have to be discerning about what you put into your body. Make sure you're getting something clean and legit. If you don't trust it, don't put it in your body. If you're just consuming cannabis concentrates, you will be fine. Right, Bean? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's my comment in its entirety. I, I love it. Okay, so... We got a couple more things to dab here. Both of these are from a company called Surprise Surprise with Z's. Now, I'm seeing Ride nodding as I'm saying this. This is my favorite brand from Humboldt County. Shout out up north. This is in my Emerald Cup kit. And these guys make some fantastic concentrates. I know them for their rosins. 
Uh, there is a double OG, I believe it's called, that is just absolutely delicious. We have a different rosin here that we're going to get to in a second. But first, we have some BHO from Surprise Surprise, and this is Moonbow Strain. This it's a Alien Labs. Oh, okay, so this is yeah. Alien Labs, very yeah, my, famous my, my buddy, brand. My buddy Fletch bred that uh, at Archive. Ah. And, uh, Alien Labs selected that, and that's one of their big, one of their big strains. And, Moonbow. And, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, shout out to Surprise Surprise and Royal Key for sure. They're they're one of oh, the Oh yeah, Royal Key Organics, another great place, in California. Yeah. I'm gonna say this too. I know some of the concentrate people. I feel like that world keeps it pretty fucking real as the weed world. Slips out of our control a little bit. It's true. So yeah. you know, I think that's that's an interactive part of the culture as well. Yeah, just yeah. sort of the feel of the outlaw days without having to actually break the law. So the texture, the smell, the look, the flavor, everything about this concentrate is just top notch. I believe, and because the Emerald Cup is now over, I can say this: this was my highest rated strain out of fifty jars of hash including other surprise surprise which was also in my top five or, or top ten but this moonbow pool is just so delicious and you know what it is held on to its gas now this this kit is a month or two old at this point it's held on to its gas and it just encapsulates everything that i love about dabbing in its purest form and this is bho from a company that's known for its rosin so here i'm going to take a pull of this this is one that i wanted to save for towards the end because ah oh, it's just delicious and that you know <coughs> it's a history of people who cared about what they were doing mm. you know going back to the first earliest concentrates it's these innovations and the people who innovated them i know the brotherhood of eternal love felt the way about cannabis that we do when they sort of pioneered the method as smugglers. Uh, I actually had a lot of experience with the people in Amsterdam who made the water half, yeah. people like Mila mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of other innovators there. Uh, same thing, love of hash and of course the people in, in the traditional cultures going back a long way who created the sieve methods and just hand collection of hash. Um, all people who love the plant want to be close to it, want to concentrate its goodness. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, the, the point you brought up earlier that, you know, about both transporting hash and the reason why hash became so popular around the world, but mm. it's, you know, it, it's something that, that people don't really realize that ha hash has been consumed more than cannabis has and for a longer time people mm. people weren't consuming raw cannabis like one of um you know one of my good friends is uh, you know a, a very high level breeder and he he at one point traveled to afghanistan and collected seeds right and in one region they completely don't smoke weed right they, that's the, that's the rule rather rather than the exception right in ah. that part of the world right everybody pretty much just smokes hash um in in afghanistan and pakistan um mm -hmm. you know it's mostly hash culture but then there was one region the Lashkarga region where they actually were smoking the flower mm. and so when you look at the plants they had a different structure and they made more flour and not quite as much hashy leaf material and all that oh. stuff. And so it was selected over a thousand years probably for something different. And so taking seeds from there and seeds from the other one, you get totally different plants. And so when he was working those breeding lines, he was finding plants that would make these gigantic buds. And he said in the fields, the, the, the plants were so big uh, in that region that you would snap off the water leaves and water would shoot out. 
And when I've seen those plants, it's nuts. And from the plants that we've grown from those seeds, even in an indoor environment, the leaves are this big around, and the stems are like this, and you can, you can you can feel like the water going through. It's crazy. Wow. It's a different type of plant, right? Yeah. And it was selected over such a long period by a group of people who were doing something different with it than everybody else in their whole country. Um, wow, that is so fascinating. Yeah, you know, you associate cannabis smoking with the West, I think, you know, in terms of smoking the flowers themselves. Many, many parts of the world, like you're saying, I mean, throughout Europe, it's very rare to see people just smoking cannabis flowers unless you're in Amsterdam or something. Hash is just how cannabis finds its way to a lot of places because of tradition and because it's easier to transport that way. And then, you know, we are very indulgent in how we consume our cannabis here because it's like, you know, we just have fresh flowers all the time, you know, like we can sort of uh, afford to do that, uh, you know what I mean, and, and, and have a consistent supply of it. But I think that's really interesting. And speaking of ancient methods of concentration, right, the last thing that we're going to dab here is also from Surprise Surprise, and this is some Passion Live Rosin. Okay, so to clarify, something that we've been talking about that may have gone over your head all rosins are resin, not all resins are rosin. And this is a really confusing thing. Uh, you know, so just to clarify, live rosin is cannabis concentrate that's extracted from live plants through a method of pressure. Now, Ryan, can you describe rosin to us? And actually, for anyone who wants to check it out, Ryan and I are in a documentary on Netflix called The Legend of 420 making rosin so if you have netflix and you want to see this process in action go check it out but tell us about live rosin i forgot about making rosin next to the ping pong table at the bottom yeah it was, <laughs> it um, was. yeah so so live rosin um you know it, it's something that you know uh, rosin's actually an ancient extraction technique in itself it's it's something that they used to actually do in africa um, with these sort of inverted baskets and mm. they would pack them full of cannabis and put pressure on them and then like sort of honey would drip out the bottom right um on a hot african day it would eventually sort of press and the, and the resin would start coming out so in, in itself rosin's a really old thing um, and it's made, as you mentioned, usually with like sifting or sometimes you can make it directly by like pressing the buds, mm. um, but you need a filter and all that stuff. So most of the, uh, like the rosin that we're going to consume was probably made via sifting. So what they do is they get, they harvest the plant, they freeze it, and then they sift it really cold. And so you're able to break off all the trichome heads and it's really pure and really fresh. And it captures the same kinds of terpenes that you would get in a live resin because it's Fresh, ah. fresh frozen. And so something else that I've heard is that rosin has more of the plant material in it because of the process it's made through. So it's not quite as clean as BHO. Is that a myth? Is that true? Yeah. So there's um, the like the shell of the trichome and all of that stuff um, is is contained in that dry sift. And then when they press it, um, some of it comes through, some of it does not. Right. And so uh, but then there's also like plant particulate and just, you know, depending on how clean and how good the processor is, um, these guys do a great job. So there's probably very little to none, none of that in there. Um, but generally, like if you dab a rosin, sometimes you'll see like more residual on your nail or you'll taste like kind of a traditional sort of hashy flavor at the end. Um, that just means that it wasn't purified enough. Um, but the really, really high level rosins, you don't really, you don't really notice that. 
Gotcha. And Bean, what's your impression of this rosin you've got here? And what do you know about rosin versus live rosin? In your four dabs a year, have you ever <laughs> hit some rosin? I've actually made rosin. I, oh. I did it for an article uh, that you could find online. I did the hair straightener method. Right. Uh, so with some cured flowers, right? Yeah, some cured flowers. And some, I'm not saying it's a good method. It, sure. It certainly it's convenient. Rosin. It's a very convenient method. It's not going to be the cleanest. I also did a little Vice video about how to do this thing. Uh, because if you're somewhere and you only have cured flowers and you know you want to take a dab, this is an easy way to do it, right? Uh, it doesn't always give the cleanest product, but it's still pretty good, right? Like, what was your experience with it? Yeah, it was a cool, fun experiment. I would say, like, if you have no access to concentrates other than... Uh, you definitely have access to a hair straightener. It's not a big, long thing. You're going to probably, you don't, don't squish your best bud uh, if that's an issue. It's a cool way to just have concentrates. Yeah. And I wouldn't say what I yielded was not like what I'm holding in my hand. <laughs> uh, this smells fantastic. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm picking up a hint or two of trichome shell. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but not too much, not more than, you know, I actually like a little of that, you know, that's yeah. not everybody. A little <laughs> earthiness. And so, you know, I think the remarkable thing about this is actually this I've had since before my Emerald Cup kit, right? Uh, this is from several months before that. And it's sort of been in the back of my hash collection. Uh, and I just turned it up for this episode here because... I wanted to point out that it still holds a lot of the terps, and that's pretty old hash there, you know, as far as that goes. So I wanted us to try a little bit of rosin, uh, you know, as we're talking about cannabis concentrates. Again, this is probably the most heralded, highest-end type of cannabis concentrate out there. Uh, there are people who get very upset about the debate between whether BHO is any good or rosin is any good. Uh, so, you know, people are going to be, some people are going to be screaming at their uh, radio being <laughs> like, no, you know, you son of a bitch, uh, you know, that that's the only good thing you're dabbing today. But that's not true because I think we'll find that when we hit this stuff, it is definitely really, really good. But I believe that we've hit solvent concentrates today that beat it, you know, like the other surprise, surprise thing, uh, you know, th that we just hit a second ago. So, uh, once again, and for the last time for this 710 special, let's get high. Let's make this a big one. It's our last one, so everyone take a fat, fat hit. Oh, yeah, quick question. What do you know of the history of 710 as a holiday? And not, not the long version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I mean, the first time I ever heard it was actually for the, uh, the 710 cup, which was something that uh, Ruga from Grassroots, which is like a, you know, a hat and clothing company, um, they put together with Dougie, right? <laughs> that was oh, yeah. from, from Midman. Yeah, so, uh, it, you know, so that, that was one of the earliest times that I had ever really heard that term. Um, and and that, that was like, I think the first weekend in Colorado where it was kind of a, a celebrated festivity. But yeah, I, I don't really know that much about like who started that or where it really came from. I actually... Right, well, send your, uh, legitimately, send your tips on that, your theories on that, your primary documentary evidence on that to us, uh, you can hit us up on Instagram or anywhere, and uh, we would love to dig into that. Who, you know, we have an episode in our first season about the history of 420. It's actually pretty well documented, and it's a fascinating, wonderful story, so we'd love to know who, who came up with 710, Oil Upside Down. Oof. Yeah. 10th. 
Indeed. And yeah, oh my God. So this live rosin from Surprise Surprise is really amazing. It really still has that passion fruit flavor in it. And oof, man, it is deep. You know, like recently in Palm Springs, my girlfriend and I have been going to a Paletta's place, like a Mexican popsicle joint. And they have these popsicles made from fresh fruit, right? Now, the best one is the passion fruit one. And I'm so, yeah, it's just so, so good. I mean, we're talking about flavor. It is just such a present. Oh, my God. Punch you in the face flavor. And this concentrate has that flavor in it. And I just love it. It's tart. It's sweet. Uh, and, you know, rosin has a distinct taste to it. It doesn't taste quite like BHO. I feel like BHO just reflects the plant directly. But all rosin shares this sort of little smoky, almost like umami flavor to it. Right. what is that flavor? I mean, I, I think to some extent that's kind of like those trichome shells and all and all that stuff that, that isn't necessarily purified in the same way that you would get with the BHO. Um, and, and so it's something that you taste in more traditional hash and it's something that like when I consume rosin, I feel like I get sometimes a more rounded experience. Like it, it, it tends to make me sleepy, <laughs> whereas like BHO tends to make like, take yeah. me out more. Um, so it, it's kind of, uh, I, there, there's something to that. There's something to mechanical extraction. There's something to the traditional methods that, that seem to be a little more kind of relaxing. And, and I think rosin kind of shares that characteristic. I think a cool thing about rosin too, is it kind of brings things full circle in that it is a new, uh, technique and new apparatus to do it, but you are using a traditional method, which is compression. And so going through and still having all of these beautiful, uh, BHOs and other solvent produced, uh, dabs, you also now have this sort of full circle rosin experience where there is no non-cannabis entity involved at all. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, you know, rosin, I think, is, is, is unique because it, even though it's extracted solventless, because they do that secondary step and press it, you can actually turn it into most of the same textures that you can get with BHO. If you run rosin and then keep it in a jar and it's terpy enough and the material is good enough, you can make diamonds with rosin too. It's the same thing. So um, it, it's kind of cool. It's, it's uh, you know, the very cutting edge of both of those things are so, so, so good. And I just hope that like more people get a chance to really experience that because I also think there's a lot of people that are doing both rosin and live resin very shittily, right? <laughs> It's, and, and I think the bigger the scale gets, the easier it is to get to get bad. So um, I, I think, you know, the safe bet is looking at, you know, kind of craft craft level farmers and craft level brands, I think, usually tend to give you the best quality. That seems like we live in a golden age of this. <laughs> Very true. Well, this has all been so fascinating. Right. Thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us this crash course on modern cannabis concentrates. We really appreciate it. Bean, do you feel like you got everything you wanted out of this episode? Everything and more. Every <laughs> seven, ten, everything. You look high. Yeah. <laughs> I probably not as high as I feel. I <laughs> what is it, man? It's fucking seven ten. I wanna look high. I do. I wanna be high. I am. I wanna be high with you two for sure. Man, Hell it yeah. is good to fucking Sesh again. Sesh. Yes, a sesh. Finally. After all these months, we're seshing again, and we hope you are too. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Great Moments in Weed History. Happy 710. 
See you next time. That's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.